Have you wondered about living elsewhere after you retire? Well, we have almost daily. As you know, it is not an overnight decision. Hi, this is Gil and Jean of Retire There, a podcast about places to consider living in during your retirement. Hey, guess what, folks? I retired. Oh, my goodness. This July 2021. I'm so sorry, Jean. I wish you could join me in the freedom, but you have a few more years for that pension. I don't think you're that sorry. I am. Can't you tell? We embarked on certain for a new place to move for our retirement. We made a trip to Winter Park, Florida in February of 2020, came home and said, mm, maybe not for us. As we were planning for the next trip, the pandemic arrived. Jean then came up with this brilliant idea of doing a podcast to find out what others are doing. With so many baby boomers retiring, many must be relocating. So why not connect with them and pick their brains? Here's a little background about us. I'm Asian, born in Brazil and grew up in in Flatbush, Brooklyn. I'm an engineer turned attorney turned podcaster. Oh man, I'm getting dizzy. <laughs> yes, I, you are. <laughs> thanks. I recently retired from my job practicing higher education law within a university. No more students, faculty, or staff. Whoa, this is going to be great. <laughs> I love the college environment, but what do I honestly love even more? Hmm, sleeping in, not setting an alarm, staying up all hours, binging crime drama, and silly romantic comedies, developing the podcast, volunteering. Okay, let me stop. More to come, people. More to come. Jane? I'm not Asian. And as Gil mentioned, I'm not retired. I'm just plain tired. <laughs> I'm sorry. Born and raised in Long Island, New York, a place I've always wanted to leave. We've lived in Brooklyn, New York for many years and have been thinking about our future home. I'm a law librarian working in a court who loves his job, but we're retired by the time we select our ideal location. Mm, don't know about that. <laughs> We've been speaking to folks from all around the country and world who have moved to their dream venues and more. So please stay tuned. And remember, if you know anyone who has moved anywhere for retirement, let us know. Hello there. Today we will be returning to Thailand, but this time to its capital of Bangkok. Bangkok is Thailand's most populous city with about 10.5 million people. It's a large city known for ornate shrines and vibrant street life. It's located south of China and right above Vietnam near the South China Sea. A bit of interesting news. In early August, Thailand enacted a law prohibiting the use of sunscreen in all national parks to protect its coral reefs. Violators of the law will face a fine of up to 100,000 Thai baht, or in the U.S., it's $3,022. That's a lot of money for using oh, sunscreen. Oh, yeah, that's good. According to the Department of National Parks, the law was passed due to a link between coral damage and sunscreen used by tourists in the waters of marine parks. I have a lot of questions about this, but that's for another show. Our guests are Suzanne Nam and John Brown. Susie arrived in Bangkok almost 16 years ago to work as a newspaper reporter. Since then, she's traveled all over the country in the region. As for Bangkok, she knows the city's popular attractions in and out, but really enjoys exploring the nooks and crannies that make the capital city so alluring. She's watched the city grow into a truly cosmopolitan, top-tier city and is proud to call it her home. Susie and John met during her first year in Bangkok. They adopted a street dog, Sam, and shortly after had twins, Bix and Ella. Raising children in a foreign country brings plenty of adventures and challenges, including navigating preschool drop-off during one of the city's many political demonstrations. But daily life is surprisingly stable and comfortable. Susie was born in Queens, New York, and grew up in Cambridge, Massachusetts. She attended Northeastern University for her undergrad and Boston College for a law degree. She practiced corporate law and pursued a journalism degree at Columbia University. Thereafter, Susie switched from law to writing and journalism. She has worked in London, the Middle East, and Asia. In her first year there, she worked as a newspaper reporter, which provided the opportunity to explore the country's culture, scenery, and food. Since then, she has written for numerous news publications and occasionally gives interviews on international radio and TV news programs. She is also a reporter for Forbes magazine and a former writer for Trip Savvy, a site for which she authored 64 articles on Thailand travel. Susie has written many guidebooks about travel in the country. 
Her interests include writing, reading, tennis, sewing, 3D printing, many other things too. 3D printing? Okay, I'm going to ask that later. <laughs> All right, we should note that Susie is not yet retired, but has lived abroad for 15 plus years with her husband and raising their two children overseas. So the question is, will they retire to Thailand, Jean? Hmm. I guess we'll have to wait a while. John Brown, Susie's husband, holds an MBA in finance from the Wharton School and a bachelor's from Yale University. He runs an online travel company out of Thailand. An interesting note is John also served in the Peace Corps, like our guests from Durham, North Carolina. This is so cool. Unfortunately, John is away on business and unable to join us today. So, Susie, thank you so much for joining our show. We have a million things to ask. But first, would you talk a bit about the prospect of retiring to Thailand? Would you recommend it and why? Oh, I think that depending on the person, Thailand and Bangkok in particular, is a fantastic destination to retire to. It has a lot of different things I think that retirees will be looking for, which is primarily it's it can be affordable and it offers a lot of quality of life things that other places may may not offer. It's definitely not for everybody because it is a very large metropolitan city and because of that it has a lot of different challenges. If you're the type of person that's like looking for quiet rural place to retire where things aren't going to be going crazy once in a while, then Bangkok probably isn't for you. But if you're looking for a kind of a, a new adventure that's interesting, affordable and safe, then I think Bangkok is actually a great place to consider. Can you give us an idea of what you meant by um, what were your words when things go a little crazy at times? So basically, it's the primary reason is that Bangkok is a city of about 10 million people, give or take. And when you think about, about it in those terms, any city that big is always going to have something going on. There is also a backdrop of some political instability. And yeah, and also, again, it's just a large city in Asia. So there is always, it's not always predictable or quiet. That doesn't mean that it's not safe. Even at the worst, we were there during the coup about 14 years ago that basically ushered in a military dictatorship that's still going, that, well, sort of still going on. Even at the worst of it, it was still a totally safe place on a daily basis for visitors, which is right, very interesting to be a witness to that. But it wasn't, you know, but it was also very interesting and a little bit dramatic as well. I, I don't expect that those types of things are going to continue to happen. That was really maybe a once in a 50 year event. Yeah, again, it certainly makes it a very interesting place to be living. Okay. So I think we heard from our other guest as well um, about Thailand that, and I, and this is not a political show. We try to stay away from that. But I think you have to be careful, certainly more than the United States, right, in how you articulate your thoughts or convey them politically, would you say? Yes. And, and I think this goes with anytime you're in a foreign country, you have to understand the culture and the laws. I mean, a great example is like marijuana use. Like now in the U.S., you know, you can smoke anywhere, you can buy it. There's no there's no consequence for it. But, you know, in other countries, it's still considered a serious offense. And so you have to be cognizant of those types of things if you're going to travel or you're going to live overseas, because something that you do at home that you feel maybe even morally like, hey, what's the big deal can have a big consequence for you. In Thailand, you have a constitutional monarch. The head of, of the country is still the king, and mm. it's something that visitors need to respect. If you feel uncomfortable with that, then you have to think about whether that's a place where you would feel comfortable living. Because even though we're so used to, as Americans, being able to speak out and having a very robust First Amendment right, it's not the same in other countries. Now, it doesn't mean that you can't have an opinion about things. It just means you have to be careful about how you say things and you have to respect the culture and the laws of the country that you live in. You know, my husband and I are both pretty outspoken people and it hasn't been that difficult for us to be respectful of the host country that we live in. Okay. So I guess that's include that includes all of the uh, social media. Like you can't go around tweeting. <laughs> no, you know, and there are very particular laws and, and I don't want to get it yeah. too much in this show, but right. really you're, you're not allowed to disparage the monarchy yeah. at all. 
Right. right. Uh, I, and definitely don't do it in a place where it's documented and can yeah. be and republished so, yeah, easily, yeah. right? Like Twitter right. or Facebook <laughs> or anything like that. Because right. you know, there have been cases of Thai citizens ending up in jail for some yeah. things that we might consider to be not particularly offensive at all. So right. the rule is, you know, just keep it to yourself. Good point. Hey, in your latest book, which is called Living Abroad Thailand, you talk about your love of the people. One of the things you say is that when you walk down the street, walking your dog, um, neighbors say hello and vendors say hello. Can you say a little more about the people of Thailand and what you think about them? Yeah, you know, it's hard to stereotype people and I don't want to paint everybody with mm -hmm. one brush because obviously Thailand is full of people who are all individuals and diverse. Mm -hmm. The culture really supports a sense of community and public connection to other people. Yeah, people say hello to each other. They look each other in the eye when they're doing something like, you know, you're going out to get some street food and people acknowledge you as another person. Even though it's such a big, busy city and there's so much stuff going on, I think maybe part of it is because so much of life is lived outside. And this is, I don't know exactly why. It could be because it's a warm climate or whatever. People tend to get their food outside in public places. They tend to hang out and eat together. They go to parks and are just often surrounded by people who aren't their immediate family. And I think because of that, people acknowledge each other. They realize, hey, my this public park, it's not just this anonymous place. It's like an extension of my home. So you do get people saying hello and just, I don't know, just being kind, kind or kinder than we might be used to as America. Oh. We definitely have to go to Thailand. <laughs> I mean, it's on our it's on our list. I need to be in that environment right about yes. now. <laughs> and how do you think generally they treat foreigners? Um, in general, our treatment in the country has been excellent. I think, though, that par part of it has to do with the attitude. The attitude that foreigners come in with really dictates the experience because some people do come into the country, and you will see blogs and other publications where people are just complaining about Thailand all the time. This is true in life, right? If you yeah. go in with a hostile, mm -hmm. critical attitude, then oftentimes you're going to get that feedback. But if you go in open and kind, people will treat you the same way. Our treatment in the country, we, once in a while, we get treated poorly because we're not Thai. But in general, we get treated with a lot of you know, care and respect. Our, we're raising our children there and people have been kind to us. I hadn't had my children there. People have been kind to us and taken care and even in, in small things. Yes, I think that it's in general a very kind country. Once in a while, you'll come across a situation where you're treated poorly because you're a foreigner. This isn't in the everyday interactions. Like once in a while, we'll, we would rock up to some small village or town and people would just be really curious, like, hey, what are you guys doing there? Or when I was reporting for the guidebooks, you know, I would just be exploring everywhere, including very small places and people were kind of interested. But once in a while, you'll run across a situation where you will have to do something differently because people complain about this all the time and it drives me crazy. In some of the national parks, there's a two-tiered pricing system. So if you're Thai, maybe you'll pay the equivalent of two or three dollars to get into a national park. If you're foreign, you're going to pay $10. Honestly, this has never bothered me because when I think about the income disparity between yeah, the yeah. average person in Thailand and the average person coming from the UK or the US and the fact that the money you pay in national parks is in general being used to preserve them, <laughs> fine. You know, right. how much does it cost to go to the Grand Canyon? Right. You know, the the Louvre also has two-tier oh. pricing. Yes. EU students pay a lot less than non-EU members. So people somehow take this as like an affront to their existence. Right. <laughs> it doesn't right. bother me. I, I understand that there are policy reasons for doing this, you know, and sometimes you will get like two-tier pricing. I remember once I was in Phuket and I was buying fruit and I think the fruit seller thought that I was Thai. And so she gave me one price. And then when I started talking to her, she was like, oh, actually, <laughs> no, for you. yeah. And, you know, that's so funny. <laughs> it was like, I kind of got it. Like, you know, if you're taught, th these are the types of things that don't really bother me because I understand that there's a, an economic reason for that. Average Thai person is probably making less than $20,000 a year, probably yeah. a lot less in certain mm -hmm, places. Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. most tourists who are coming in, 
and visitors are making a lot more than that. Yeah, so, yeah. you know, it's like, yeah, most of the things you do are going to be so much cheaper anyway. You're going to pay a little more once in a while. Well, yeah, yeah, you'll be fine. Can we talk about the cost of living in general? Tell us about that. Um, yes. So I will talk to you about it from the perspective of actually living there in Bangkok. The really interesting and kind of cool thing about living in Bangkok is your experience can run the gamut depending on the type of life you want to live. You can, at the higher end, you can rent an apartment for $10,000 a month and live like you're living in Manhattan. But at the lower end, if you don't want to live right in the center of the city, if you don't need an apartment that has you know, the, the best amenities, you can live for just a few hundred dollars a month for your nice. rent. Even, nice. le- even less than that, depending on what you're accustomed to. And you can also get some really, really nice housing that's not right in the center of the city for a lot cheaper. Now, of course, we're looking at Boston and New York, and those I know are more expensive. If you're coming from there, forget it. You'll be blown away by the, <laughs> the mm-hmm. cheapness of housing. If you're coming from other parts of America, then it's it's not going to be that much cheaper, but it's going to be cheaper. So, for example, if you wanted to rent, let's say, a townhouse in Bangkok near public transportation, but not right in the center, you could get away with something like that for about six or seven hundred dollars a month. That would be maybe a three bedroom, two or three. Wow. Bedroom. Wow. Yeah. That's <laughs> nice. Yeah. That's nice. And you would still be able to use public transportation. You might be a little farther out, but mm-hmm. you would still be within the the city center. Would that be like what, maybe a 10 minute ride when you say a little farther out or give us an idea? And maybe a little bit, a little bit more than that. Maybe, maybe to the actual center of the city, you might be 25, 30 minutes. Away. Oh, okay. So that's, yeah. that's not different yeah, not from, bad, yeah. from anywhere else, I guess, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It, it, okay. It's, yeah. Okay. You just wouldn't be right in the center. And then the same goes for, let's say the base, basic food. So yes. basics are very inexpensive. The fruits and vegetables and like milk and flour and things like that. A rice is the, is the staple thing there. You can, and, and most people end up eating a lot of their food kind of out by picking things up from street vendors. You really can manage to eat on $5 a day. And that's not even cooking. You could go out to vendors and get the food that you need for Wait, for the, the entire day? $5? Yeah. So let's oh, say that your, God. your lunch is 60 baht. And that's even a little pricey, depending on the area of the city that you're in. That's two bucks. Same for oh dinner. And then, God. you know, those things are real, can be really inexpensive. Here's the caveat. A lot of foreigners don't transition to a totally Thai diet. When you decide that you want to eat more Western foods that are more familiar and use those grocery items to prepare foods, the cost of living can go up dramatically. So we shop at a couple of supermarkets that are more foreign oriented, that have more Western food. Some things are pretty inexpensive, but when you start adding imported cheese, favorite tomato sauce that your kids really want for their pasta (laughs) or things like that, the price can go up dramatically. And so imported things they cost more than they do at home. That makes sense. Right. Because they're coming in. It's not and they're a, not, right, they're not native foods. Right. That you have options, which is what I love, is that if I want to go to the local wet market and pick up local fruits and vegetables and tofu or whatever and rice, then I can do it super cheaply. And then if I want to go and get more Western food that is a little bit less easy to find and my kids want to eat Oreos, I have that option too. And and But I have the choice. You know? And if you look at it like a, a choice as opposed to like, oh, those Oreos are so expensive, then it's great. I think you can easily live on a fixed income and then you can make room for things that you want. Right. I know that the street food can be very inexpensive. Is it is it tasty? How how is it generally? Oh my god, it's so good. Um, okay, so I'm a vegetarian now, so it's a little more wow. Good for you. For <laughs> but for but for the rest of my family and for most of my time in in Thailand, the street food is generally so good. Okay, once in a while you'll find something disappointing. In general, it's just. Great, really savory, tasty <laughs> food, easy to get. And you start to know that when you live there. When you get out of the very touristy areas where food tends to be, street food tends to be mediocre and more expensive, which is what you find everywhere. Like imagine 
getting dinner in like the Olive Garden in Times Square. That's probably not going to be your best meal ever, <laughs> oh right? God, that's such but a great you, example. Right? But if you go out to somewhere, one of the neighborhoods, then, you know, you'll find these great gems. And that's the same with street food. When you start to know your neighborhood. The first neighborhood I lived in in Bangkok was not quite in the center um, and just very local. And there was an intersection that was known for street food. And so in the evening, there would probably be 45 different stalls of oh people offering God. different things. It, wow. it was amazing. And the cool thing was, you know, you would have these families coming in every single night to get dinner from their favorite vendors. So in that context, you know that the food is going to be really good. It's going to be high quality because this is they're not serving a transient group of people. They're serving families that are coming back every single day. Right. Absolutely. You can find that and you find your favorites and the things that you really like. And, you know, and, yeah, and you yeah. realize there's a huge variety of Thai food. It's not just pad Thai and curry. There are lots of other yeah, yeah. things going on. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, I could and, live on, you know, I can live on bean sprouts and tofu. So, I mean, I'm not a vegetarian, but if it's done fresh. Well, you're lucky because you eat anything. Yeah. Well, no, thanks a lot. Um, but no, no. But I mean, if I were to cut out as much, you know, I, I've I've eaten a lot more seafood, and that's what yes. I'm trying to do. And if I can yes. get fresh seafood, um, even better. But I could live just on like well-made, or I should say, you know, like eggplant. If it's done yep. right, hey, it's delicious. Yep. I love street food. And and, and if it, I didn't have to cook ever again, <laughs> oh. So this is another another kind of mental transition that I think people make is that. Sometimes when you're looking at small apartments, you'll see like, oh, wait, the kitchen's not huge or it's in a little corner or the refrigerator's small. And coming from our point of view where we're used to these massive kitchens <laughs> and gigantic refrigerators and five burner ranges, you think, hey, this is a deficiency. This isn't good enough for me. But when you realize that you can eat most of your food either outside or you can get it outside and then eat it at home, you realize like, wait, why, why do I need a big refrigerator? I don't, it's not, it doesn't fit into the lifestyle. So it's something that is, can add to your quality of life. Because you don't need to cook when you don't want to. You can, because there are lots of fruits and vegetables and meat available to you whenever you want it. You can also pretty much get food when, wherever. And, and also, one of the things I love is you can also get fruit. There's like cut fresh fruit all over the place, like 75 wow. cents for a bag of it. Wow. Yeah, it's great. So you can get watermelon, pineapple, oh, um, mangoes, wow. and it's just there. All wow. Here wow. it's like $5 for a little quarter yeah, yeah, of a yeah. pound, you know? <laughs> yeah. And, and yeah. In your book, you talk about how you love Thai fried chicken. I guess you don't eat that anymore, but can you tell us a little about that? Why it's, why it's so good? <laughs> and do you miss it? I do. I, I, I do. So, and I joke with my kids because when I was pregnant, I used to eat this Thai fried chicken all the time. So <laughs> I would say to them, you know, I think you're probably about 75% fried chicken. <laughs> Thai fried chicken. There are different ways to do it, but but one of the ways that's really popular is that it has a batter and then it's like covered in fried bits of garlic. Oh, I, I can't I can't even describe how delicious it is. Like super Ooh. crispy on the outside and really oh, tender. That's the and secret. It, yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's so like if they could come up with a vegetarian ver version of that, I would eat <laughs> it every day again. Hey, you um, know what? Beyond Meat is like you know partnering with the world, so you might get that soon. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that would be amazing. <laughs> and the, this, do the street vendors sell that or just the restaurants? Street vendors. Yeah. Oh. So yeah. your kids are used to this as well, right? I assume they like the street food and, and that they, the home cook. Yeah. I mean, oh. but you know, both with the, with the, I try to control, we, you know, I don't want them eating fried chicken every day, but, <laughs> no, 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 no. Um, right. but they do love, yeah, they do love the street food. And there's something that's very popular in Southeast Asia that somehow isn't that popular anywhere else. And it's called sticky rice. And, it's a particular type of rice. It's more glutinous. So when it's Wait, cooked, I'm it's sorry, did you say sticky? Sticky, yeah. right? Yes. Yeah. Sticky. Okay. Yeah. So it, it's stuck together um, into like a kind of a patty or something. Yep. And it's a great snack because you don't need a fork to eat it. <laughs> right. It's so delicious. And the kids love it. Like every child in Thailand, whether foreign or local, if you say like, hey, do you want some sticky rice? Their eyes will light up and they're like, yes, please. <laughs> so good. So you can eat like your fried chicken and, and your piece oh of sticky God. rice and 
and it's a great <laughs> snack or a great meal. Oh my goodness! Is there anything in the sticky rice, like no. vegetables or? Oh, it's Nothing. just rice, it's, huh? It's just rice. Um, huh. It's like con- a convenient like rice bar. Um, <laughs> oh, easy oh. to eat and delicious. I've, I mean, I've funny. had sticky rice and I've had not like a, not so much like a ball, but, but wrapped in some kind of palm leaf kind of thing. And, and, um, okay. Yeah. It's, it's similar to like the, the Chinese style where they wrap it, not yeah. grape leaves, but some yes, kind of yes, lotus, yes. In a lotus, lotus leaf. leaf. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mm-hmm. have anything in it and it's, you eat it at room temperature. Okay. So got it's it. Slightly mm. different and so good. Okay. Oh, All right. I'm, I'm getting really hungry. I'm going to transition. Had breakfast. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to transition to travel. You say in your book that you can fly to different locations in Thailand relatively inexpensively. Is that still mm. the case? Uh, yes. So everything is different right at this moment because of COVID. the COVID situation. Let's just put that aside because we're hoping that yes. that isn't going to be the norm for much longer. In normal times, let's say uh, I'll, there are a handful of places that a tourist or, or visitor would want to mm-hmm. go to from Thailand, from Bangkok, like Chiang Mai, which is in the north and that's mm-hmm. the mountainous region, more outdoorsy hiking, beautiful. Phuket, uh, which is a tropical island resort. Samui is another tropical island resort. Let's say you wanted to go to Phuket or Chiang Mai, you can easily go for less than a hundred dollars. And yeah, uh, wow. round trip if you pl- if you plan it very easily. There are a number of budget airlines that service those routes because they're so popular, and, and then also Thai Airways does as well. So there's tons of flights, easy to get. Unless it's super high season and you didn't plan ahead, you can go. You know, we kind of before the kids, we would just sometimes say, hey, like, you want to go to Phuket this weekend? It would be Thursday. And <laughs> we would just buy our tickets for the next afternoon and it would, it would be affordable and easy to do. Nice. That's right. very yeah. nice. And, and how and, far? And, and, and the, no, please go on, go on. How far is the airport from, from where you live? Depending on the traffic, it's about 30 minutes. Away. Oh, okay. Oh, that's, not that's not bad. That's not bad. It's the local traffic that's going to be the worst to get onto the expressway to get to the airport. I think it's like anywhere else, mm-hmm. any other city that you live in. If you live close to the on-ramp, you're in great shape. If mm-hmm. you, Even if you mm-hmm. live half a mile away, but there's a lot of local traffic, it can add 30 minutes to your... There is also a high-speed express train that goes to the airport from certain parts of the city. And from there, I think it's 20 minutes or 25 minutes on that oh, train that'll take you right to great. the terminal. Yeah. yeah, I love that stuff. Some people would just rather sit in a taxi for an hour, but <laughs> yeah, I like yeah. the train. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. If you can get to it, that's great. And how's, yeah. get, how's getting around the city? I know you say that if you're, if you're in a rush, you could hop on a motorcycle taxi. How are those? Uh, I think they're great. Um, they're not always the safest. <laughs> and so, you know, th- thinking about maybe somebody who's coming in who's retired and mm-hmm. might be uncomfortable with something like that, which I think mm-hmm. a lot of people would. My parents didn't do this when they came to visit recently. The getting around part can be a little bit more challenging depending on where you live. And I want to talk about this briefly about mobility and accessibility. There are definitely mobility and accessibility issues in Bangkok. And When you think about retiring, this is definitely something to keep in mind. The public transportation system isn't accessible at every stop. And it can be very, very difficult to get in and out of the stations if you are, if you have any kind of physical disability. Mm. It can be difficult to get to the stations if you have some kind of physical disability. This is something to think about very carefully. If you're going to be using a car or that kind of transport system, it's much easier for you. If you're the type of person, and I certainly am, who really enjoys using public transportation, it's really hard if you have limited mobility. Related to that is, do you need a car or is the public transportation sufficient for a you know, any person. You definitely do not need a car in Bangkok because Good. even though the public transportation system isn't perfect, taxis are cheap and plentiful. And when I mean say cheap, I mean, you know, the most you're going to pay in the city is $4 for a wow. ride. Wow. So cheap, right? Wow. You just, you don't even think about the cost when you get into a taxi for the most part. Wow. Whereas... You know, obviously you wouldn't do that in New York or most other cities. Even Uber actually didn't survive that well. It left Thailand, I think, because of the taxis. 
But there are a couple of other local, more local ride shares that you can use. There's one called Grab Taxi where, yeah, maybe three or four dollars within the city. So you definitely do not need a car unless you want to have it. Is there a subway system? There is. There's um, it's kind of like New York, but much, much smaller. There's a, a elevated and then there's an underground. It really only serves. And again, if you're researching whether to move to Bangkok, you can look on a map. It really only serves the center of the city and then some of the suburbs or periphery, but very limited areas. It's expanding every year. It, it doesn't cover that much. So if you live in the center, great, you know, you, you can take it. And, that, and we do. A lot of places you go to, it's not. It's not like New York where you can re- literally get anywhere. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's also a pain in New York, so. <laughs> I know, right? you're switching you know. and whatever. Yeah, 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 yeah. I want to talk about healthcare for a minute. Can you tell us what that's like and for expats and so forth? Yes. In general, the healthcare system, the private healthcare system is excellent in Thailand. One of the ways I, I know this kind of objectively is that some of the U.S. embassy outposts use Thailand as their medical center. So if you are in Indonesia and that's where you're posted for the State Department, if you need any serious medical treatment, they're going to send you into Bangkok first. Wow. So um, the, the quality of medical care is high there. There are a number of hospitals that are private hospitals that you pay for that offer general medical medical, excellent medical care. If you are facing a novel type of cancer or some other issue that is not typical, then you probably are going to end up going back to the U.S. for treatment. That's something you might find anywhere, right? Like you would, if you had some form of cancer that wasn't easily treatable in the U.S., you would probably end up going to New York or D.C. or L.A. for that treatment because you would want to get the best. They're so specialized. Exactly. And most cutting edge. But for most things, you will either healthcare system in Thailand is excellent. It's you're not a part of the public health care system. I mean, I'm sure retirees understand this if they're looking at retiring overseas, you're not able to go into that system for free. Obviously, you're if you're paying out of pocket, um, you have access to, to excellent medical care. Again, um, you can think about what types of insurance you would want to have to access the private medical care system here. There are different types of insurance and those are easy to price out that will offer coverage to the higher end hospitals. Um, or if you want to spend a little bit less money on insurance. There are different tiers that are available to you. A lot of people, they self-insure for basic healthcare, meaning that they pay out of pocket for it. And then they will buy insurance for, I can't remember what the word is, for calamities or for- Sure, for, sure. Right, so so it doesn't kick in until you've spent $2,000 or whatever. Mm. The reason you can do that is because you can go into a hospital for some basic ailment or a checkup and walk out spending less than $100 pretty wow. easily. So, <laughs> so for some people, right, they think, well, why would I buy insurance right. for that? Yeah. I'll just buy it for if I- get really sick or break my leg or, or something. So okay, so it's reasonable. Okay. I would advise any retiree to make sure you understand what your insurance situation is and have catastrophic. That's the word. Yeah. Make sure you have catastrophic insurance that will cover you in case you get into a car accident or in case you get really sick. Because in any mm-hmm. healthcare system, you know, if you're in the hospital for two months, it's, it's going to cost a ton of money. Right, right, but right. for general stuff, again, I, I had twins in Bangkok in a at a private hospital there. I did a ton of research before I decided whether I was going to give birth in Thailand or come back to the United States. Felt totally confident with the level of healthcare for something like that. So if you can have twins, which is considered a kind of complicated delivery, <laughs> then you can do ninety nine percent of the things you want to do. Is that right, Susie? Yeah. <laughs> 99% oh. of what you want to do, it's fine. And we go in for checkups. The kids have their pediatrician there, all the basic things. Um, it's also nice because you can more easily get access to specialists. Generally in Bangkok, you can see somebody within a day or two. So that part is really nice. And the doctors are in the bigger hospitals are all fluent in multiple languages. Oh, I was just, that was my next too, question. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, a lot of them have been educated in the United States or the UK. So being able to communicate is not a problem. In other hospitals, 
if you don't find doctors like that, you will find translators available to help you. And that's usually a service that the international private hospitals will offer to patients. I didn't know that. Speaking of language, do you speak the language and do you need to? I don't speak Thai fluently, but I speak enough to get around maybe a little more. You definitely do not need to speak Thai to live in the center of Bangkok, for better or worse, because I think in some ways you kind of miss out by not speaking Thai to survive or even more than that, you don't need to. Remember that Bangkok is a city that has, I I think the last estimate that I saw was 250,000 expats. Wow. Maybe more. I was going to ask you about that. I mean... And so with so many different people coming in from so many different parts of the world, you will find many people who are speaking. Even if their English isn't perfect, it's good enough to get by with. This is great for the basics that you're going to need to do. Mm -hmm. And it's also great in terms of building a community and being able to connect to people and make friends. Mm -hmm. You'll find enough people that speak English. As you get more comfortable, you can start to learn to speak Thai, which I absolutely advise to anybody. And then and that allows you to access different parts of the population. You know, I want to also ask, there are single retired women. They want to move overseas. And there's this fear with some of the Asian countries. I don't know why. They're not afraid of Mexico, it seems. But And obviously, some of that is stereotypical. Would you advise or how would you advise a single woman who's retired, uh, if she's concerned about safety, should talk about safety for that type of scenario? In general, Thailand is a very safe country. And there are two types of of personal safety I want to talk about because they're important. One is the the data-driven part. Like, what is the actual likelihood that I am going to be assaulted or robbed when I'm walking down the street in the middle of the night? That's one. And then one is, how do I feel? Right. What is my mm-hmm. perception? And they're, they're different, but they also they, they affect your quality of life. So there might be places in the world that are actually kind of safe for foreigners, but you feel so uncomfortable. Right. You just feel like you're going to get mugged or whatever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So on the on the feeling part, Thailand is extremely safe. Like I have walked through that city at two, three o'clock in the morning by myself. Wow. And I have never felt uncomfortable. Huh. I, it's just, and I wouldn't do that in New York necessarily. Oh, yeah. And I wouldn't oh, yeah. do it in London, right? Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. in Bangkok, I've never felt uncomfortable. Wow. That's not to say that there aren't some crimes that happen. I've heard of stories where people have had their bags snatched from motorcyclists mm-hmm. driving by. Um, I've heard that. I've heard yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it doesn't happen that often, but it happens. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a big mm-hmm. city, right? Sure. I've heard of people being assaulted. I've heard of people being sexually assaulted. It doesn't happen that often, but it happens. Um, and this is true anywhere. So we always need to be careful and cognizant of our personal personal safety. Yeah. For women, I do believe, and this is something that we would need to look at the data on, I do believe that it's a, a safer country than most in terms of being assaulted as a single. So it's interesting to me that people would have that perception as, as single single women. I think you, in some weird way, you might be safer. Mm-hmm. But again, I don't know what the numbers are. And, and I yeah. think that should mm-hmm. drive some of the decisions. Sure, sure. Okay, thank you. No, that's great. Even certain small things that I get used to, like, Let's say I'm at a Starbucks and I need to run to the bathroom, but my computer is out there. Like, Oh, yeah, that's a good one. I mean, Bangkok is one of those places where I'll look around and I'll see the barista or the person <laughs> near me and I'll be like, just going to go for two minutes, okay? And I will feel 100% comfortable <laughs> walking to the bathroom, leaving my bag there. And then- Whoa. Wow. No. Right. Whereas like if you were in like Barcelona, forget it. Like you're not even <laughs> going to put your laptop on the table in front of you while you are there. <laughs> so it's just and again, not to say that people don't get robbed because it absolutely happens. But you just have a feeling of safety there that people respect each other and they respect each other's stuff and small okay. things. Oh, like, interesting. Again, it's one of those things. It's so location specific, like. Just to use that example of Barcelona, I love that city so much. 
people get their bags stolen all the time, man. <laughs> right. You know, I've and heard that. It's yeah. so bad you don't even notice because right. <laughs> people are so good at it, right? And you like, and you're like, it's so nice here, and you let your guard down, and boom, yeah. the backpack's gone. In Thailand, occasionally I've heard stories of people getting their stuff taken. What is your status there? Are you a resident? I'm not a resident. I am. I can't remember what it's called. We are non-immigrants, maybe non-immigrant residents. So we are on a visa. We, there's no path to citizenship for us. We are legally entitled to stay and work, but there's no path to citizenship for us. Okay. There are other options available. If you're there long term, you can transition to some kind of immigrant status where you would eventually be able to become a, a resident, have more rights, including property rights. But for us, that just isn't something that we ever thought we would need to do. So for the 15 years or more that you've been there, you have to renew every year or what's that like? Every year or two years, depending on the type of visa that you have. Yeah. So, you know, there's a bureaucratic hassle involved in it. You have to go to immigration and stand in lines once a year or once every two years in our case. But, you know, it's it's just one of those things that you have to put up. With. Right. But your kids, um, your kids being born there, there's no concern about them, right? I mean, they no, don't do anything. No, they do actually, because unlike the United States, they're not citizens of Thailand, even though they were born there. They're U.S. citizens and they're they still have to have a visa and all sorts. Oh, wow. Wait, they're born in Thailand, but they're U.S. citizens because the parents? Yes. So any U.S. citizens abroad that have children, if they're both U.S. citizens, and even if they're not under many circumstances, they're U.S. citizens. Interesting. So interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And Thailand doesn't have citizen a birthright citizenship. So okay. they're not okay. citizens of Thailand, which okay. in a way is a little frustrating to us only because, yeah, they were born there and they've lived there for 10 years of their right. lives. So yeah, one day, you know, like, let's say in the distant future and it's, it's just the two of them. They travel to Thailand. They can't even say, I can prove that I was born in this hospital in (laughs) Bangkok, but they'll be treated as U.S. citizens. Wow. They they couldn't establish it for purposes of, yeah, permanency. Oh, that's so interesting. It's a really, really interesting situation. And it wasn't always like that. It changed, I think, maybe 40 years ago. Sure. In a way, kind of always being outside of America makes you appreciate it a little bit more. This birthright to citizenship, I think, is in my mind, it's the right thing to do. It just makes sense. And it's a wonderful thing that we have in the United States. And then I hope it never gets taken away because Mm. it just makes more sense. And being on the other side of that with the kids, I mean, thank goodness they're U.S. citizens because otherwise they'd be like stateless people. (laughs) (laughs) And and for That would have been the next point. Yeah, for us, it's not a big deal, but people who are coming in from countries that are not like the United States can be an issue. When when they're in Thailand, I'm just curious, do they go to an English-speaking school? They do, because there are so many foreigners living in Thailand. There are dozens of international schools there, so just private English-speaking schools that they go to. Let's move on to the outside. You say that (laughs) Orchids, you can get orchids in every imaginable color. Can you tell us a little about the flowers of um, Thailand? Yeah. Um, They're beautiful, right? It was so beautiful. And it's so funny because I feel like I, I reached some middle-aged moment when I started to appreciate. <laughs> All right. Be careful I, now. Be careful. Yeah, because you're a lot <laughs> no, young, younger than us. <laughs> I, I started to appreciate birds and flowers a lot more at some point <laughs> in my life, right? When I noticed those things, I was like, wow, look at what kind of bird is that? And then I thought, wow, this is something different than it used to be. But yes, so both things, you will find an amazing variety and beauty Um, because it's a tropical place. I guess, you know, beautiful flowers tend to grow more Mm -hmm. easily. A lot of people have their own little gardens. Even if you live in an apartment and you have a balcony, people will have just great plants and gardens and flowers growing. And you can go to flower markets and just buy lovely flowers. Wow. It's a luxury, right? But when we're home, we always have fresh flowers in our house. Because they're easy to find and not that expensive. So what's the weather like um, year round? How cold does it get? Does it get cold? I mean, doesn't get cold. It's always hot. Um, <laughs> humid. So again, humid. Yeah. Mostly. It's, weather. Yeah. It's like, I like to say it's like being in Miami in July, 11 <laughs> months out of the year. Right. So <laughs> It's hot. It's one of those things. If you're one of those people that doesn't feel comfortable in humid weather, then you're not going to be happy in Bangkok. 
in <laughs> December, it can be amazing. The weather will drop down to maybe the 70s and 80s. It gets a little drier and it's like literally, <laughs> right? That drop down. It's like the most perfect place in the world. But in general, it's just gonna, it's gonna be hot. Luckily, there's air conditioning like everywhere. Oh, so yeah, yeah. there's respite from that. Mm-hmm. But it's a hot place. It's, and if you like being outside a lot, if you like walking around, um, you have to change your life a little bit. You start to go on your walks early in the morning or later in the evening. Even then, it can be still very, very humid. Yeah. So go to a gym I mean, that's air conditioned. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. And and mm-hmm. so some people, you know, people move to Miami. It's kind of the same idea, but it's it's for people who are not heat people, they're not gonna like it. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Recreation. What can expats or or retirees or what do you guys do? What types of recreation exists? So one of the things we do a lot of is travel. From Bangkok, not only is it a hub for Thailand, but it's a hub for Asia. And, and for us, because we've been traveling so much and living overseas, long, longish flights, I, I consider a long flight 18 hours, right? Like a short flight is five hours for me. So a little different. Oh my right? <laughs> Let's say, you know, you want to go to Singapore or you want to go to Hong Kong. It's just two or three hours to get to those places. That's one of the forms of recreation during normal times that we really take advantage of. If you want to go to Tokyo, it's six hours. We love traveling. If you want to go to certain parts of China, you can go in three hours. So um, it's amazing, right? Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. You know, my kids have been able to go to Shanghai and Beijing and Hong Kong and Singapore, and they've been to like 21 countries already. Wow. And a lot of that is because it's just so easy and cheap to travel. So when we would have long weekends or there would be, you know, they'd get a school break and there'd be some public holidays for me and my husband, Mm -hmm. we would just say like, Hey, okay, let's, where are we going to go? Let's go to, you know, let's go to Malaysia. Let's go to Bali. That's so so cool. It's great. I mean, this is Mm -hmm. really from a lifestyle and experience Mm -hmm. point of view, so special for us. So that's the first form of recreation. We tend to swim a lot because oh, okay. most places have swimming pools that you'll find. I play a ton of tennis. There are it's really inexpensive and easy to play. Yeah, any places like with courses for people to learn, I don't know, crochet or There are lots of smaller organizations that offer instruction in English. Art instruction, culture stuff, language. You could join the National Museum in Bangkok and become a docent, meaning a yes. kind of a tour guide. Tour guide yeah. And you take a course, it meets, I think, twice a week, and you learn about Southeast Asian art, and you learn about the collection of the museum. You could join one of the local clubs. Like we are members of a place called the British Club, which is a, it's a recreation, it's like a country club in the city, but it's not quite the same. It has a swimming pool and a community and tennis courts and a restaurant and places for the kids to play. People join things like that. It's a community. Mm -hmm. I would definitely. Yeah. And the prices are fair and to join these things. Mm -hmm. I think the British club costs us. Oh, it's like a 10th of what you would expect. it's, It's very inexpensive and it's a great recreation spot for families and for individuals who are looking to to find a community of English speakers. Mm, mm. So the expats, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's good. Okay, that's important. Yeah, I have a question. Let's talk about treating yourself. You talk about things like you can get a shampoo and blow dry for less than $10. You talk about a Thai massage. You talk about buying dresses and cute shoes at the markets for $5. Yes. Is that still the case? Still the case. Still, I mean, the the prices may have changed a little bit, but yes, you can get a massage, a good massage at a good place for... Uh, 15 bucks now wow. at a nice place. You can get it even cheaper at, at like the kind of more hole in the wall places. <laughs> yeah, yeah. When my dad and my stepmom were came to visit us right before everything went a little bit crazy, there's a great massage place that's about three blocks from our house. And my dad and my stepmom would go there every single night. They were just, you know, after dinner, we would be relaxing. It's like, okay, we're going to go get a foot massage now. And oh, my daughter so would go with them. Because <laughs> it was like, yeah, it was like 10 bucks oh, or something. And nice. So good. The problem is when you actually, when you actually live there, you don't take advantage of it as much because, yeah. you know, you're trying mm-hmm. to balance all of the things you need to do. And right. It's like, well, I have to get the kids up and then I have a meeting and I have to go to the supermarket. So when am I going to schedule that massage? But it's absolutely there. The hair thing for me, I love it because my hair is like kind of naturally very curly and a little bit messy. You're so so lucky. 
You You're know, so lucky. <laughs> but in the, in the, imagine in the humidity, it's just like, <laughs> but there's a place right around the corner that serves mostly Thai clients. The ladies there are just so nice. If I hop in, it costs 150 baht to get my hair blow dyed. That's less than $5. Um, and they always do like such a nice job. So yeah, things like that. You just get oh. kind of spoiled with. This is because labor costs are really low. So certain things are less expensive. When you think about quality of life for somebody who's a little bit older, having full-time help in your house mm -hmm. is a lot less expensive. The average salary for a full-time helper or maid is less than a thousand dollars a month. So you can hire somebody who's going to be coming in full time to clean and cook for you for six, seven hundred dollars per month. It's a, that part is amazing, right? If you are at a point in your life when you need more than a yeah. little bit of help, it can really change the quality of your life. So and wait, it's affordable. Repeat that cost again. Did you say a thousand? I mean, you dropped from a thousand to six to seven hundred a month to do everything for you. You can hire somebody full time to be a helper for you who would be cooking and cleaning and running errands or whatever for maybe even less for in some markets than 20,000 baht per month, okay. which is less than $700 a month. Okay. People are even paying less than that. We, that's not, I, I don't think that for personal services and human beings, you pay the cheapest you can, but yeah. you could, yeah. but the average is certainly less than a thousand dollars a month. U.S. dollars. U.S. dollars. Right, right, to right. To have right. somebody who's coming in full time. For you. Okay, okay. If you want somebody to come in a few days a week, clean for you and go to the grocery store or the market and pick things up then you're going to be paying substantially less. Wow. Okay. That's really helpful for someone who might at you know some point in their lives need that extra help. And absolutely. Yeah. Totally. I mean, I kind of joke with friends in Bangkok, like why would anybody clean their own house? I mean, obviously you keep your house clean, but why yeah. would you do the weekly right. cleaning when there are so many people that you can pay a good wage to right. for them that are available? Like, unless you have a certain joy in doing stuff like that, <laughs> you know, you do your work and make your money that way and pay somebody else to do that. In Bangkok, it's totally um, affordable. It's also great to have somebody who knows how to cook, oh. who can cook for you. And there's oh, so please, many yeah. ways. Please, can you imagine? Please. Like, oh my and here you know, I'm just dying. Yeah, I dream of being Oprah every day. Yeah, you know, having well, having you know a living living cook, living chef. Oh. so our nanny who has been with us for since the children were ten days old. Oh. Um, oh. she doesn't live with us, but she comes in during the weekday. She's also was always a good cook. And then we've worked together for the past 10 years. You know, she knows what I Family. like to eat and mm -hmm. what the kids like to eat. And then, you know, she adds her own things to it and we just work together very well. And yeah, it's amazing because can you imagine like I will be at a meeting or running an errand and I can text her, Hey, Sona, can you run to the market? This is what we want for dinner. And I'll come home at six. And then my husband will come home and it's there waiting for us. Oh my goodness. It's oh. so great. Oh, as we get older, also, we're, we need to be more careful about what we eat. And, and one of the big barriers to a healthy diet, I think, is the preparation, right? Like, yeah. oh, yeah, oh, we yeah. should all eat more vegetables, but mm -hmm. who has the time mm -hmm. to get them and cut them and blah, blah, blah. If you have somebody helping you, it's so great. Like just having fresh yeah. broccoli, always cut up clean in your refrigerator yeah. or yeah. somebody yeah. who knows your dietary restrictions and right. will make you food that has less sodium in it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's, that's like our child. I'm that person. <laughs> <laughs> and he's 22. <laughs> uh, exactly. Yeah. I was wondering, yeah. we have, you know, cousins and my kids are 10 and my sister's oldest is 27. And we all were like planning a barbecue. And it was like, oh my gosh, like me and my two <laughs> sisters like, were like, wait a minute. We basically spent our whole day yes. preparing food yeah. for the children and then cleaning up after everybody. Right. Like, right. Something's got to change. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So in your family, are you the only one abroad and everyone else is in the States or? Yes, right now. Okay, um, okay. So I have a big family. There are six of us, all girls, all mm. women. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, it's weird, right? <laughs> <laughs> I was the first one to move overseas. There's only one other who she currently lives uh, she's the one moving to Brooklyn. She oh. is based in San Francisco there, though, but she has 
at different times lived overseas. She lived in Asia for a little bit. And then she was just recently in Mexico for a while. Oh, wow. She's more like me. She has that kind of yeah, yeah, yeah. drive <laughs> cool. to live abroad. Wow. Wow. Yeah. No, I come from a, a family of seven. So, but, but, but we had, my parents had five girls and because of the Asian side, it's like, oh, you have to have a boy. So six was boy and seven was boy. <laughs> but I, I think if they had six girls, they probably would have stopped, you know. <laughs> oh, my grandmother was like, you have to have a boy. I, I wonder if, you know, I never really directly asked my dad about this. <laughs> this is my <laughs> suspicion, you know, it's like yeah. you would have, right, if yeah. number two had Stop been it. one, yeah. they would have <laughs> <laughs> But wait, you're half Korean, right? Yes, so, correct. But I think all Asian, you know, all Asians have that same kind of well, what I call the curse psychologically. You know, I mean, I'm the <laughs> oldest. Was I that much of a disappointment? I took care of them their whole lives. You know, they realized because by the time my brother showed up, they were already well in their. Oh, I don't I can't remember. But what are you going to wait for the kid to turn 20? <laughs> right, <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> yeah, they, they were the last two. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> They're the spoiled one. All the daughters yeah, took are, care yeah. of them. OK, OK, yep. enough of that. Enough of that. <laughs> I, I have one last question. OK. The beaches look beautiful in Thailand. How long does it take you to get to the beach? So it depends. If you want to go to what I consider like some of the best beaches, then you, you're going to fly. You'll fly to Phuket or you'll fly to Krabi ah. or you'll fly. Yeah. Either one of those two. But the flight's an hour long. So you mm. could be from door to door in about four and a half hours. If you want to drive, you could drive. There are two main beaches that people go to from Bangkok. One is Pattaya and one is Phua Hin. And those, depending on traffic, you're talking two or three hours. Wow. For really nice beaches with good resorts and restaurants. Okay. So yeah, I, I mean... For us, we we tend to gravitate towards the less popular, but kind of a little bit more remote beaches that I mm -hmm. think are just astoundingly beautiful, and mm -hmm. they are a little bit harder to get to. So maybe five hours from. Wow. Okay. So that's more like a vacation, you know, rather than you can't yeah, be. A, although, yeah. You know, you can do it on a Friday afternoon if you say, "Hey, we're going to leave at three p.m." Right, right. Get on a flight. You can be there by eight thirty. Yeah. Not yeah. too bad. You know. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So a it's a long weekend. Right, right. Now a long everyone, weekend. Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Or now that everyone can work from home, it can be <laughs> like, a, you know, you just go and then work, work on the Friday and the Sunday yeah. and go back. Yeah, and, I'm working. I'm working. <laughs> wow. You know, we've covered so much. Thank you so much. I mean, you have done an amazing job and we really, really appreciate it. Is, is there anything that um, we left out that you, you think we might be helpful or useful or maybe to a retiree? Or? I, I think the one thing that a retirees should think about coming into Bangkok and really anywhere else is obviously projecting what life is going to be like in five years or 10 years or 15 years. The mobility issue to me is really could be a deal breaker. Unless you set up your living situation such that you're not reliant on public transportation. Uh, and that's the kind of thing that, you know, when you first get there, maybe you're in your 50s and you feel totally able to, to manage anything. But things change over time. You just need to be aware of that. The other thing I would say is no matter what, when you come, just try to learn the language. It's so easy not to. Mm -hmm. It's so easy to surround yourself with expats, which is great. It makes it so comfortable, but just get in there. The culture is so interesting and you make connections with people when you can relate to them on their own terms. So make that effort to do it and you will find it to be an amazingly rewarding place. And I, and I have to believe that not just Bangkok, but Thailand or even Asia in general, it's elder friendly. They respect the elders, right? I mean, that that shouldn't be any surprise. Or What's your point? It, absolutely. Actually, this brings up a really good issue. One of the, the things that people might find is missing, though, if they're coming from the outside, is maybe an elder community. Because if you're an older person living in Thailand, for the most part, your family's taking care of you. Right. So there are maybe aren't as many like rec centers or community things for older people because here we see that because older people tend to be alone. Mm -hmm. There, older people tend to be part of their own community already. So if you're coming at it as an older person from the outside, you, it might be a little, it might be harder to access. In general though, yes, people do respect older people. They consider, you know, they consider the whole family actually. The nice thing about Thailand is there's a lot of respect for older people. There's also a ton of respect for children. 
which is so amazing to me. I think it's because people realize that family is important. You need babies and you need grandparents <laughs> to make that whole thing work, right? Right, so. right, right. If you're an elderly person and you don't have the roots or the family there, I think living in Bangkok is also doable because people are used to seeing elderly people, right? And maybe assisting them or having those services. A hundred percent. Okay. Yeah. I, I didn't want to just leave the expats out there kind of in the cold or, or yes. I mean, it could uh, be, you know. Yeah. yeah. No, no, no. There's a, in general, there's a respect. Again, the mobility issue, I think becomes a big challenge in terms sure. of out in public life. Sidewalks can be difficult physically to navigate. It's okay. just not as, you know, we don't have accessible parking spots to the same extent. And oh, those things right. seem so small when you're mm-hmm, not, mm-hmm. when you don't need them, but when you do need them, like curb cuts are like everything. So right. Right. Um, So that that's the part that can be challenging, even Mm -hmm. though there's a lot of respect for older people, there's not a ton of physical accommodation. Mm. Okay. Okay. And that's the state of the country. I mean, Mm -hmm. with the laws and everything too. All right. Great. Thank you so much. You're wonderful. Oh, thank you guys. I'm so glad we met. I know. Well, listen, when things get normal again, if you guys are traveling in Asia, please, I really mean this. Our door is always open. You are welcome. Thank you Um, so much. We, we really, we love the city so much. Yeah. Come visit, please. Okay. Well, um, you know what? We just moved our son into his uh, new home a couple of hours away. And uh, so we are now officially empty nesters. Empty nesters. <laughs> ah, we might come knocking on your door. You do it. Do it. Okay. The door will be open for okay. you. Thank you. Thank you, you so guys, much. Thank you. Have a thank great you. weekend. You too. You too. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. Take Bye. care. Bye-bye. Bye. We hope you've enjoyed this episode. If you know someone who's relocated for retirement and wishes to share their story with us, please reach out to us. We'd love to hear from you. Our email address is gg at retirethere.com. Our website is retirethere.com. And you may follow us on Twitter at retirethere underscore. Now, if you've liked our show, please subscribe and rate it in Apple Podcasts. In the meantime, be well.